Um, thank you very much for coming along this evening. Um, um, we're doing a series on uh, the disciple Peter. Um, if you don't know who I am, I'm also Peter. I'm Peter Mansfield. I'm one of the leaders um, of the community church. Uh, my day job is uh, as a lawyer, though, so I apologize for that. Um, so uh, last week, uh, Dave uh, kicked us off uh, talking about the calling of, of Peter. Uh, and I think it was just say yes, I think was the message by and large. Um, now, I like Peter for obvious reasons. Because um, I, was, I was named after him, so uh, my, my parents called me Peter James, so two two of the disciples, uh, and called my brother David Jonathan, so after two Old Testament characters. Um, my sister is Joanna Mary, so Mary's good, not convinced by Joanna, but anyway, that's that's life. Um, so so I was named after Peter, but I am literally nothing like him. So he he was practical, I'm not. He was he was manly, I'm not. Um, he was sort of kind of rugged and tough. I'm not. Um, I'm much more like the nerdy tax collector, Matthew, um, who, who I like. Which is ironic because cause Matthew Doherty, kind of back there, is much more like Peter. Because if we were all in a boat and Jesus was walking past on the water uh, and invited us to join him, I could, I could well imagine Matt saying, cool, let's give that a go. But whereas, whereas I would be firmly in the back of the boat and pretending that I hadn't heard what Jesus had said. Um, anyway, Matthew 16, uh, 13 to 20. Um, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. What about you? He asked. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Um, now this is a controversial passage. Um, and I'll touch upon the reasons uh, for that as we sort of work through it, because I'm going to go through it kind of bit by bit. Um, and because it's controversial, um, there's been a lot of discussion uh, about kind of specific elements of of, um, of this passage. And if you kind of look this passage up on the, the internet, there's an enormous amount about kind of two particular words that I'll, I'll come to kind of later on. Um, but... I think that the more one focuses on, on specific words, the more one loses sight of, of what's going on across the passage as a whole. Um, because let's acknowledge what this whole conversation is. It is a treasonous conspiracy. That's what it is. So on Thursday, um, I went to the National Archives, um, which are in Kew um, in West London, because there's an exhibition there all about treason. Um, and uh, so it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, it's only there for a few more days. So if you're interested in, in history and you want to see the, kind of the documents that are on show there, you've only got a handful of days. But you see things like uh, the document which is signed by Guy Fawkes. So Guy Fawkes' confession, um, Guido Fawkes, as, as it's actually named. You have the Mary Queen of Scots document, which is signed by Elizabeth I. You have the, the, you know, a, a copy of the, the U.S. Declaration of Independence um, it's absolutely brilliant. I can, I can tell you, I, I can see from the, the energy that I'm getting back that 
that I, you are not sensing it in the way that I'm sensing it. But I can assure you, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, so basically, as you went around all these things and you learned about treason, what you learned was that there are loads of small groups seeking to argue that the current king or queen is not the true king or queen, and that someone else is the true king or queen. That seems to be how treason works. Now, some of these treasonous groups were unsuccessful, Guy Fawkes being one of them. Some were very successful, like the US revolutionaries. And some were halfway in between. So, uh, in 1916, there was an uprising in Dublin, uh, which was unsuccessful at the time, but obviously led eventually to the uh, formation of the Irish Republic. Um, And make no mistake, this conversation in Matthew 16 is a treasonous conspiracy. It is people saying that the kings of the land that we're in, Israel and beyond that the Roman Empire, are not the true kings. There's another true king and that person should become the king. Um, But we don't see it that way, um, primarily because we're on the side of the conspirators. Um, and therefore we see as, we, we don't see Jesus as, as a, a treasonous kind of revolutionary. We see him as a freedom fighter. So, so we like him. So, um, so we're on, so we don't tend to see this passage as a treasonous conspiracy. But if you were a chief priest or if you were a Roman centurion, this is definitely how you'd see it. So, so it is a political statement. And it expressed a political aim. And as with many politicians, I think I've got a photograph. Could you put the photograph, please? Um, there it is. So, uh, so as with many politicians, Jesus chose his backdrop. So, you know, if, if people are going to announce themselves that they're going to stand for the U.S. president, what will they stand in front of? An enormous American flag. And, uh, and, and same with Brits, they will, they will have the Union Jack all over the place when they're kind of doing something official. And Jesus chose his backdrop. Because Caesarea Philippi was an unusual place to go. It's, it's about 50, well, no, 30 to 50 miles, 30, 40-ish miles north of the Sea of Galilee. Um, and therefore, it's at least a two-day walk. So north, which is the sort of direction that you don't go from Galilee. That's just kind of going, you know, up into the, up into the mountains. Um, So it wasn't a logical place to go for for that reason. It was also not a logical place to go because it was a place of pagan worship. Um, So what you have there is Caesarea Philippi. Um, It is now, well, it's it's now, no one lives in the area now, um, but it's called Bania, I think, or something like that, um, which is kind of based on the god Pan, um, who was worshipped there. But, but that cave, in Jesus' day, there was a massive river coming out of that cave, coming out of, of you know, the, the cave, which, which was a tributary for the River Jordan. So one of two tributaries um, for the River Jordan. In 1000 AD, there was an earthquake, and the river now flows lower down. So the river actually comes out in a different place now. But then there was this massive river coming straight out of the cave. And the cave was called the Gates of Hades. So, which is you know, a useful thing to know when you're reading the passage. And beside it, to so where those people are standing, there was a, a temple to 
the Emperor Augustus, who had died a few years before. Uh, next to that, there was a, a temple to Pan, and then there was a temple to Zeus. And then there were, there were two sort of levels for the dancing goats, which is nice. Um, so maybe a bit of a circus as well, I don't know. But, um, but it, it, it was a place of pagan uh, worship, and therefore it was a place that no God-fearing Jew would go. Um, it was a really kind of, in that sense, a pretty awful place. And, and the Gates of Hades became a nickname for the whole area, really. Um, so that's where Jesus chose to, to set this scene. And he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So clearly the message was that the people thought that Jesus was a bit weird because by and large the prophets were a bit weird. So it's not, it's not Jesus meek and mild. That wasn't how people saw him. Um, they saw Jesus as this slightly wild man of Israel. Um, and Jesus kind of nodded and sort of took that in and then said, but what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, this is another one of those phrases, kind of you are the Christ, which we're so familiar with that we actually lose what it means. What it means is it's saying you are the liberator. We are under oppression of the Romans and you are the liberator. You are the true king of Israel. So Herod or whoever, they're not the true king. You're the true king of Israel. So here, Simon Peter says, you are the, you are the person who is going to save this country from the Romans. You're going to, you are the true king of Israel. You are the liberator. You are, you are Jesus the liberator. And in verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. In other words, Jesus agreed with Peter. Now, this is unusual in the, in the New Testament. Because normally, when Peter says something, Jesus rolls his eyes at, at Peter. So, in the previous chapter, Jesus had said a parable. And Peter went, could you explain the parable to us? To which Jesus' response is, are you still so dull? Which, I don't know about you, is not great man management. But, uh, and then... Just a little bit later on, just after this passage, Jesus is saying, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem and die. And Peter says, don't know, you mustn't do that. You can't do that. At which point Jesus says, out of my sight, Satan. So actually, it gets worse for Peter rather than better. Um, but on this occasion, Jesus agrees with Peter. But also from this point, from this moment, when the first person declares you are the king of Israel, you are the Christ, you are the redeemer, you are the liberator. Jesus' death was inevitable. What Peter had said was a death warrant for Jesus. Because all traitors must die. On Thursday when I was at the, uh, um, uh, at, at the, the National Archives, you can't believe the number of people who were hanged, drawn, and quartered, which was the traditional way of killing traitors in this country. Hanged, I, I, so the drawn bit, I had always assumed, and sorry, this is grisly details, so, sorry for any vegetarians out there, 
But, um, so, but I'd always thought that the drawn was where you had your stomach cut out and your entrails were pulled out. But you weren't killed, you were just... Because that came later, that was the quartering. But in fact, drawn, drawn could happen twice. So first of all, you could be drawn to the place of your execution, which meant that you were tied on the back of a horse or something like that, and you were dragged through the streets to your place of execution. Then you were hanged, but not hanged in a way that killed you. And then you were drawn with your stomach open, whatever. And then you were quartered, which genuinely did mean quartering. Um, and, uh, but but the, the consequence of being a traitor is that you die. That's what always happens. Who was the last traitor in the UK to be executed? Come on, historians. Second World War. Second World War. It was Lord Haw Haw, the uh, the uh, the guy who was the the, the, um, the who was was in Germany and gave radio broadcasts back into the UK. Interestingly, he wasn't born in England, so you couldn't actually. You so he wasn't born in in, the, in Britain, so technically he couldn't be guilty of treason. But because he got a faith passport where he had said that he had been born in Britain, that seemed to be enough. So uh, basically, it, it, it was a kangaroo court and, uh, yeah, all, all utterly disgraceful. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. We, we, I've, I've, I've gone off, off piste. Um, but, but, but from this point, with, with, with Peter saying that Jesus' death was inevitable, Jesus... So at this point, when Peter said, you are the king of Israel, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, Jesus' death was inevitable. And it is no surprise that immediately after this, it says in verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and must die. Because at that point, Jesus knew that as soon as the, 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 the cat was out of the bag, as it were, as soon as the secret had been made public, it was only a matter of time before it would leak wider and the authorities would come and get him. So, so basically, Peter's confession of faith sped up the whole process. It led to directly to Jesus's kind of crucifixion. And we then get to verses eighteen and nineteen, which are the controversial verses. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Now, this is a controversial voice, uh, verses because it's at the root of papacy, basically. Um, so it, it's in, in Greek, there's a pun, which is, I tell you, you are Peter, which is Petros, and on this rock, Petra, I will build my church. So Petros, Petra. Um, now, the you know the, the traditional Catholic interpretation of that is that Peter is the rock on which the church will be built. Therefore, the papacy has an authority which is directly from from Jesus. They're not saying that, that that Peter is you know the rock on which the church is built. Everyone accepts that Jesus is the rock on which the church is built, but that Peter is effectively Jesus's chosen vicarious leader and therefore he has an authority which he then passes on to the next pope and then the next pope and so on and so on and so forth now 
The Orthodox Church doesn't, doesn't agree with that, and the Protestant Church doesn't agree with that. And the argument that they have is that in the Greek, it's Petros for Peter, and Petra for rock. Two different words, two different words in Greek. And they say, well, you know, the one for Peter means small rock, pebble, and Petra, the rock on which the church is built, is a big rock, which is Jesus. So, so Jesus is saying to Peter, you're a, you're a pebble, but on this rock of Jesus, the church is built. Or maybe on this rock of the revelation that Jesus is the, the Messiah, is the Christ, the church is built. The Catholics return respond to that by saying, yeah, but, but Jesus didn't speak in Greek, he spoke in Aramaic. And in Aramaic, there's only one word for those two, which is kepha. So we know that Peter's also known as Cephas, which is kind of the, you know, the, a, a, a translation of, of kepha. And so, so the, the, the Catholic theologians will come back and say, in the Aramaic, there's no difference between the two words. You can't do that small rock, big rock thing. Um, and, uh, and the reason why it became two different words in Greek is because in Greek, rock is petra, which is a feminine kind of declension um, or word. Conjunct, anyway, I can't remember what the word is. Kind of, it's, it's female, anyway. Um, and because Peter wasn't female, he was petros, therefore they had to come up with a new word for a male version of Petra. Which one's right? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I'm not going to answer that one tonight. Um, because I think ultimately that it completely misses the point of the passage. Um, because the way I read this is that it's this political one, which is as soon as Peter says, you are the Christ, Jesus is dead. It is only a matter of time before he is killed. And Jesus is already starting. Jesus knows that. So he already is starting his response. And he's, he's basically stating, it's like in the films where, where the hero is dying and, he, and kind of they say, son, you must complete the job that I finished. And it's, it's, it feels to me as though it's like that, where Jesus is saying, after I'm gone, because now you've said that, Peter, that's my death warrant, and after I've gone... I will need a leader. The church will need a leader. And you will be that leader. I will build the church. I will build my church. But you are the person who's going to take that on. And I want to reassure you that even though I'm not physically there, I will be building the church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So all of this that you see behind me, kind of the, you know, the, 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 the cave and the, the temples or whatever, none of that can compete with the church. None of that can cope with what... Because gates... Because as I was growing up, I was always thinking, you know, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I was always thinking, ah, oh, the church must fight against the gates as the gates come towards... And you think, no, gates don't move. It's not gates that are attacking. It's gates are defensive. It's, it's the church of God, which is, is, is the mobile force in, the, in, this, in this image. So Jesus is, as he points out that, you know, the temple of Zeus, the temple of Augustus behind him, he's saying, you will be built, you know, I will be building a church which you will lead, which will conquer all of these things and will last much, much longer than any of them. You have the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind, Peter, will be bound. And whatever you loose will be loosed. And we see that later on. When um, uh, when they they need to replace Judas, it was Peter that took all, took control and said, "We need to replace Judas." It was Peter that spoke on the day of Pentecost. It was Peter that realized was the first person to realize that that 
the gospel was available to Gentiles as well as Jews. What he loosed on earth was loosed in heaven. What he bound on earth was bound in heaven. And the very end of it, which is always one of those verses which, which when you don't think of it in terms of conspiracy, um, you know, he said, then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. And, and I always grew up thinking, well, why, why would he do that? Why not tell everyone that he's the Christ? Well, you think, it's because it's a treasonous conspiracy. It's blatantly obvious that, that you, know, you don't want it leaking beforehand. Jesus wanted to retain a level of control over what happened between now and the crucifixion. So this is a conspiracy. It must not leak. So don't tell anyone. Peter was obviously intrigued by his name and the whole image of rocks. And because he wrote right at the end, um, well, he wrote 1 Peter 2, um, and he said this, um, as you come to him, the living stone, so even though Peter is called the rock, he knows that Jesus is the living stone. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable God, acceptable to God. And then he goes on to say, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So Peter knew deep down that he was part of a conspiracy. He was part of a conspiracy to enthrone Jesus. Now, as it turned out, he knew by the time he was writing 1 Peter that Jesus wasn't coming just to overthrow the king of Israel or the emperor of Rome, but he was coming to create a whole new structure. And it wasn't a political regime that he was going to be setting up, but a, a spiritual regime, albeit there is a very strong political element to that. So when Jesus said, I will build my church... Even when Peter was writing his letter many years later, and he was saying, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, he was still saying, join the conspiracy. We're the conspirators. We are the conspirators declaring the true king. 